Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to The Engaging Missions Show, Episode 61, with Mark Blosser. Welcome to The Engaging Missions Show, where we discover God's glory in what He's doing around the world. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, church planters, and disciple makers as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Welcome to The Engaging Missions Show. I'm so glad you're here. In this week's episode, we're talking with Mark Blosser. As we talked, he shared some things about God's call on his life. He shared a story of a miraculous healing and also some amazing provision. And then we also talked a little bit about some directions that God may be taking Mark and his family in the future, including some community outreach, which I think would be really cool. If you're interested in the show notes, you'll find those at engagingmissions.com slash Mark Blosser or slash 61 is in episode 61. With that, we'll go ahead and get into the interview. All right, let's get started. I am really excited to have Mark Blosser on the line with me today. Mark and his wife, Cynthia, are ministering in an orphanage in Ecuador, but that's not where this all started. Mark moved to Ecuador with his family when he was 19, and from there, the Lord led him to begin helping in a local church where he met his wife. After they were married, the church commissioned them to go and plant a church, and then after pastoring for about two and a half years, the Lord led them to minister in an orphanage, which is where we're picking up their story. With that, we're going to go ahead and turn to Mark to fill in some of the gaps for us. So, Mark, I've given just a little introduction. Why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and the ministry. Yeah, well, it's a great blessing to be here with, uh, with you, Brian, with everybody that's listening. Um, I guess I would say that uh, my ministry, my calling started even back when I was, when I was born. My parents had uh, prayed to the Lord and asked and... Um, gave me back to him and commissioned me to uh, serve him wherever he saw fit. And, uh, I can say through the, through the many different years of my life, it's just been God preparing everything, everything that's happened, everything uh, I've come to learn that everything, even the small changes, the small things that at times we don't understand in our lives, it's just been him preparing me on to, uh, where he has me today for greater things that he has in the future where I can it's just my desire will to serve him wherever I can that way he would get the honor and the glory um, I would say I probably felt called to the um, specifically to the mission field uh, when I was 11 years old I uh, it was at a missions conference in our church which is where um Strangely enough, I heard the I heard a missionary from Cuba talking about the uh, the hardships that they sometimes face serving the Lord, but then the um, also the uh, 
how God is so faithful and how he always comes through each time. And I would say that it was that Saturday evening when when God, when God did a fire in me to serve him. That was when he called me. And uh, it's also interesting, the next day is when I was baptized in water. And since then is when I have been serving him in many ways that I can. Not, not perfect at all with many uh, faults, many times that I have failed, but he's always picked me up and led me on to greater service for him. Um, when I was 19 is when, um, is when we came down here as a family. We came down here. We had a missionary from Aruba, which is in the, uh, which is in the Caribbean. He was up and visiting the church where we attended. And he came up and said, uh, and asked if I would go down and uh, help, help him in his mission there. And that is when, through that contact, as a family, we all moved down in 2009. And it's been um, just over six years. I moved down in April of 2009 as a 19-year-old, 19-year-old uh, young person. And that is my first experience in a different culture. And it's, uh, it was definitely a big experience to, to finally come down, see a different culture, see um, see what it would be like to minister in a foreign field. And I would say that the uh, I didn't come down understanding all of God's leading. Not by a long shot, I definitely uh, at times did not understand, at times felt that it wasn't even his will for me to come down. But through it all, I can just see his hand moving, and I am 100% certain and 100% satisfied with being in his will where he has me now. That's great. Yeah, if you don't mind, as we get started, you know, there's such a wide variety of missionary experience as well. We, I think in the U.S., sometimes we think that missionaries only live in the bush in Africa, but we also know that they live in densely populated areas like Bangkok, Thailand, and other places in the world. Can you share with us a little bit about what life is like for you? Well, my life here, I would have to say... Um, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I've had I've had a wide variety of different uh, of different types of uh, different areas where I've lived. Uh, now, where I'm living now with my wife and our son, is very different from where I was uh, six months ago. Here now, I'm living in a uh, in Shell, Ecuador, which is a uh, missionary community, very very well known story of the um, Jim Elliott and Saint, five missionaries that, that were killed back in 56, and parted for the Lord, reaching the Maorani Indian, the Maorani tribe here in Ecuador. Um, and life here is, is, it's very, it's, it's very great. We have, it's a small, it's a small town of about eight to 10,000 people, but we're only about 15 minutes away from a larger city. As uh, with all the different villages around us, also they have a large, uh, a large amount of, of variety. I would say it's different now from where I lived, where I served before, where I went to pastor. We lived in a city of about twenty-five thousand people, and I was the only American mission, only American there, the only missionary there. And uh, 
got to be quite interesting. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I, uh, I think in Spanish it's sometimes hard for me to talk English just because just so long out of, so long out of the out of the habit of speaking it. And then through the, I've I've been in different places. The people here are wonderful. People here are loving. The culture is great. And I really, I really, I really love it here. I love these people in the different areas. I've, I've been visited uh, jungle, a jungle tribe, uh, small villages, big cities. And just it's definitely uh, very different from the life from the way in America. But uh, I would not change it for. I would not go back to, back to the states for anything. Part of that, part of that is knowing that I'm in God's will. Because, uh, that's the most important thing to be able to do. But then part of it too, I have grown to, uh, to appreciate and to love the place where I serve, the people that I serve, and uh, this country. Well, that's great. As we get into the interview, one of the things I do like to kind of start off with is it helps us understand your mindset or sort of the foundation for how you live your life. And so I ask uh, my guests to bring either maybe a key scripture or some motivational quote, something that helps you um, as you walk through your various days and weeks and months. Do you have one of those that you can share with us? Yes, I have. uh, There's many scriptures and many quotes. um, I think I'll probably go with uh, two quotes. Uh, I'll be I'll, I'll be quoting scripture throughout the whole thing, just because it's a way of life for me. But there's two quotes that are very very pertinent to my uh, to my living to my life. Uh, one one is by Jim Elliot, one of those five missionaries that were martyred here. Uh, but he said, "He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose." Just it's a constant reminder to me that uh, my life is not mine to keep. My life is not mine. God gave it to me, and, uh, so I gladly give it to Him again to gain what we cannot lose. Because the souls, the souls are eternal. The souls of the of the lost. Um, it is my goal, my aim to change their eternity. And I would say the other one goes back to. Um, this would probably be my motto in my life. Goes back to to the call for what is known now as the Moravian missions. What one um, one young missionary from Moravia called out when he was on his way to uh, to serve a lifetime sentence in a slave island to witness to the slaves that were there. He called out. On his, on the when he was on the boat going away, his last words they heard from their point. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And I would say that that is my my goal and my desire for my life, my service here is that that my Lord would receive what He died for, receive the, uh, all the glory, all the honor, and the souls for which He came and gave His life. That's good. I'd not heard that second quote before. Uh, so that, that's, I always enjoy hearing something new. As we move into the interview, one of the things I do like to start off with after we know a little bit about how you're approaching ministry is, um, 
is to understand a story of a challenge, maybe a time in your life when you faced some significant challenge or perhaps a failure. Can you share one of those with us? Take us to that time and share with us kind of what was going on and then share with us also what God did in that time. Again, there's so many. Um, I would I would bring up uh, one. If time gives, I'll make it. Uh, I have a more too, but one which is just uh, I have living with me a constant reminder of God's faithfulness, and His providence in our life. We, um, with my wife Cynthia, we moved down to down to Samora, which was a 15 hour. 15 hours from where we uh, were commissioned to start a church. And so we moved 15 hours there, and she was three months pregnant at that time. And because of the long move and the hard roads and everything, and the, uh, and the, uh, and the, and the place where we were serving, um, she had a number of complications in the pregnancy. And our son, Daniel, was born at 36 weeks, which uh, eight months as... as uh, as we know, is actually the doctors say it's even more, it's even more dangerous than being born at seven months. He was born with a number of complications, jaundice, another one being fontanella, yeah, which is the, which is the uh, the opening in between the two sides of the skull. When it's not there, it's completely closed. So. Uh, there was no space for his brain and head to grow, as well as uh, some other minor, minor things as well. And so we went through, there was just several weeks of suffering, especially for my wife, being, uh, being uh, just just having given birth, seeing our, our son like that. It was uh, a hard, it's a hard few weeks, a hard few weeks of, uh, at times especially my wife, questioning, so God, why, if we're here serving you, why would you allow this? Say, you know, not understanding at times the will of the Lord. And even, even the, um, as, as we all know, the, uh, um, the, the hospital and medical service and care in a third world country is a lot, uh, a lot different than the States. So, uh, we didn't know, as new parents, we didn't know a whole lot, so we would uh, take the doctor, the nurses at their word, and then uh, just bring our son home and find out three days later that he was in worse shape than before. And uh, it got to the point where a week after his birth, we went just to us. For us, it was just a checkup because we thought everything was fine. We were told everything was going to be fine, so we thought everything was fine. And we went to the hospital, and as soon as they did a couple of tests, they rushed us uh, emergency two hours to a uh, special clinic which uh, where they told us that the, uh, they told us that if we would have waited half an hour longer they would have been damaged the liver because the jaundice mm. level had reached uh, such a high state wow and, uh, and then there too thank praise the lord that was they were able to control that but it was still the um the problem of the of the school, and they told us that they would have to send us to Quito, the capital, and do a special operation on to open that up. And uh, during this time, I was traveling back and forth for two hours to be with my wife and son, and then back to the congregation to hold services and to be with the members of the church that we had there. 
And uh, one Sunday, I went, and during all this time, we had a, a number of people were praying, were crying out to the Lord. I got back after the morning Sunday morning service, was there with my wife in the hospital in the clinic room. Um, and our son just started just at about four o'clock in the afternoon. He just started uh, crying, would not stop, would not stop. I, uh, my wife was all worried again. The nerves were all up on edge. She said, uh, What's going on? What's going on? I told her, Just had this faith from the Lord. And I said, uh, Let him be. God is doing uh, surgery on found out later that just at that time, a number of different pastors and uh, friends had, at the exact same time, had gotten together to, uh, together or separate in the different places to pray that the God would be glorified in ourselves. And it was uh, later that afternoon, the, uh, doc, the doctor that was in charge came in, and uh, I told her to, uh, to check his head with the faith that God had given. And he, uh, she checked it, and well, she seems to be, it seems like the skull is divided now. I don't see, and then she's like, I don't see how that could be. But we'll, uh, we'll do a scan tomorrow and we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. And so the, uh, I took a scan and it was, uh, praise the Lord, it was uh, open up, everything was fine. And it was just uh, amazing how God came through in that circumstance. Wow. As, as a parent, I can kind of connect with you on that. I didn't have any of those experiences, but it's just so hard with, with your kids. And, you know, hearing this story reminded me that a lot of times we think of challenges as, you know, I have trouble meeting a goal or something like that. But man, these, these family things can really take the wind out of your sails. You mentioned that you had another one, and I'd like to go ahead and give you the opportunity to share that if you'd like another experience. Okay, yes. There is another big one, uh, big for us. Um, we, we, we're we a young couple We don't uh, who are actually just now, after so many years of service, just now seeking to, uh, seeking um, partners to come alongside, support us in prayer and, and help. And so for, for many years, we uh, live by faith. God always came through. It's just amazing to see see uh, the way he comes through. And, uh, when you mentioned about testimonies, about uh, a challenging testimony, these, these things just popped into my mind. One time we were, uh, we were, it was literally, we lacked, uh, we, started, we started looking, we said, well, there's no money in the bank, we don't have any food, the uh, rent's coming up. We sat down, we figured out, we said, Lord, we desperately, desperately need uh, $350. We were just praying and praying every day, praying. And uh, we got down to the place where it's uh, a day, literally a day before, a day before, uh, a day before it was time to time to pay rent. There was no food in the house. I had traveled uh, two hours to another city to uh, preach and to uh, do some counseling there with different families that were there. And uh, I got this phone call from a sister who, uh, sister of Christ who lived 12 hours away who I didn't know at all and my wife barely and she um, she started speaking about the connection where I was where I was the cell service was bad so I didn't understand very well I was able to 
get her number and hear that it was something about that she wanted to give us something. So I got, when I got back home, I uh, had my wife call her. So she called, and it's just another another proof, another uh, testimony that we have of God's, God's good. What had happened was she, this uh, sister in Christ, had a, had a brother who was not a believer, and who, um, but nonetheless had read a book about tithing, and he, uh, although he was not a believer, he seen so many different testimonies about people that have tithed and how God has prospered them. He told his sister, he said, look, I uh, just got in the pig raising business, and uh, I just had my first, I just sold my, my first lot of pigs, and um, so I have this this money which I want I want to tie that way that way God can bless me it's his words and so this sister said told us that as soon as he said that she thought of it she thought of it and uh, but it took her a while because she didn't have her our phone number so she was looking and looking and finally got our phone number and uh, that was why she was calling us to let us know and then uh, just two just two um, statistics about this which uh even now, it just blows my mind. My wife uh, asked her, "How long ago was it that uh, that uh, that her brother had given given her this money to give to us?" She said, "Well, it was two weeks ago." And uh, we counted out, and it was to the day when we got together with my wife and figured out, uh, started praying, and laid that specific amount of three hundred fifty dollars before the Lord, and. Uh, and then she said, and uh, the amount I want to send you is $350. <laughs> and it was just uh, time and time again in the hardships and the uh, different things, you know, that we face. Because as we know, life isn't, life, living the Lord isn't um, always a bed of roses. But one thing I'd say time and time again to people, from my own experiences, just from these two that I've shared with you, is that, God is always faithful. He does. Even the hardships that he allows us to go through is for his honor, for his glory. That's good. I'm I'm so glad that you shared both of those stories because they, they speak to different facets of God's provision and God's working in our lives. I would, however, like to go ahead and move all the way to the other end of the spectrum because while we've heard about these challenges in your lives, there are also times when God reveals things to them, whether it's what we might think of as a shaft of light experience where it seems like God just opens the heavens and gives us some moment of revelation or whether it's something where we look back and reveal God's been revealing something or we we realize that God's been revealing something over a period of time. Could you take us to an experience in your life where God revealed something to you and then share with us uh, what, what that did in your life? Okay. This, uh, this probably goes goes back about uh, four months ago, four five months ago, when even before that we uh, we had been for a while pastoring uh, the church that we uh, that we had uh, planted, and my wife for a while had uh, started to feel that uh, that God was calling us on, that He was leading us on to uh, to another area of ministry. For a while, I had said that uh, I can be, I, I, I personally, I can be sometimes a little bit, uh, I, uh, 
I see the things that are before me and I evaluate everything. And uh, I said, well, I don't think so. I don't feel that I'm done. And so but there was this unrest. I'm uh, just wondering, saying, Lord, uh, what are you trying to tell us? Where are you leading us? And I uh, started to feel again and again that through different, through different things that he was leading us on, leading us to a different uh, not just a different area, but even a different type of ministry. To, uh, I started to feel that uh, God wanted to lead me to a different area to prepare me in another area which, um, which I wasn't being uh, molded in at the time as a pastor. Um, so we were just wondering and crying out to the Lord. And it was like this unsettling going on. Uh, and I had had, we had had different people come and tell us, uh, uh, give us words from the Lord about uh, we needed to, uh, to start trying to raise funds, we needed to uh, start looking for God's will, and we were trying to uh, see where the Lord was leading us. And uh, then one day, I, I uh, for a number of for a number of months, I would travel uh, 15 hours to go to a Bible seminary, and uh, while I was there. I received a call from the, uh, from the uh, national director of, of, of the orphanage here in Shell. And I said, uh, look, we, uh, there's been different changes going on here. Uh, we're, uh, we're short uh, of help. A number of people, uh, God has led them on to different ministries. And we're short of help, we would like you to come and uh, visit the orphanage. That was that was all they said. They just asked me to come visit the orphanage. So I went. And when I got there, it was just like uh, I could just feel that this was where God was leading us. That it was uh, that it was where He where He was leading us. That this was the reason why He was He had put that in us for for that number of months was just to lead us on, lead us on, and it was that. Uh, it's just like, just like I say, just like a light bulb going off above us, that that was where God had wanted to lead us. Here we are today. That's, that's great. With that, we're going to go ahead and move to your current ministry. Uh, maybe something that's going on right now, or maybe something that you see coming in the future. Can you kind of just share something with us about that? Yes. My, I'm actually, uh, I have a number of roles at uh, Casa de Fe, which means House of Hope, here in Shell. Uh, like I said, I came by uh, through a Macedonian call for help. They uh, asked me to come and help, and I uh, and it was just God leading us. And so right now, I do I do uh, different help as far as administrative, as far as translating, uh, as praying, uh, working with the teens, scheduling. Uh, visits, volunteers, and whatnot. But also, this is where I feel that God is, uh, I feel that, that all that, what I'm doing now, is uh, temporary until we get somebody else to help, help with those positions. Because um, also part of the work that I do, which is where I feel God is calling me, is the chapel there at the, at the orphanage. So my job there, what I do is I'm like a counselor. I talk to the kids. These children are... Uh, either orphans or they've been abandoned or abused or they have special needs. And um, so there I work with them, uh, count, like a 
counseling, uh, working with the workers as well, because I feel that God has, that that is a big area of ministry. Just with the children, you have 57 children there right now, all ages from, from uh, seven months to 16 years old. And then we also have uh, a school there and whatnot. So personnel, from caretakers to a, to an office team, which includes psychologists, lawyers, secretary, and the teachers at the school, there's also about 50 workers as well. So it is a large area of ministry, which I feel wow. God's calling me at. Um, and not just there, because I have this desire to reach out to the, uh, to the community as well, because the... Um, the the uh, the community is starting to, to the Ecuadorian community is starting to take uh, a larger role in the uh, leadership of the orphanage, and uh, also as far as uh, different people in the community bringing donations, coming to see, and I I feel that it is an open door to be not just work inside the the orphanage, but also that the orphanage would be a lighthouse to the community around us. And um, so that is my goal and my desire to, to work on. I, 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 I have a different, um, different devotionals with the workers, with the teachers, with the children, just working, working on building that up more. Um, I teach Christian education at the school, so it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a big load, but I... Uh, know that this is where God has called me and I have I know he has uh, big plans for the future that's powerful with that I'd like to go ahead and transition a little bit to talk maybe more directly to some of the people who are listening because I know that most of the people who listen to this show are primarily located in the United States or in North America, and most of them are called into the marketplace rather than what we might think of as traditional full-time ministry. And in those kinds of positions, sometimes it can we can start to question whether God has us in the right place. We can start to wonder whether what we're doing really matters in the kingdom. So if you were to reach out and just talk to someone who is called into the marketplace and they're starting to wonder, what would you share with them? I would share something that was shared with me a while ago, um, and it's uh, it's an illustration that uh, that some of you may have heard before. But the uh, and it's called uh, holding the rope. You know, for everybody that need, that is, that God calls to go down into the pit, to, to go down in and reach reach the people that are in the pit, and bring them out. Uh, if we picture us going down into the well, when we go down, we hold on to a rope, in order, which is our lifeline, back up to the surface, which is where we receive our support, and which is what holds us in. And uh, we all know just because of uh, physics and weight of the person, whenever one person goes down, several people are needed to hold on to the rope to sustain that person. And that is so true in, in this life as well. For every, for every person that is serving in the foreign field, uh, two points. For every person that is serving in a foreign field, they need, um, we need people to hold on to the rope, to lift us up in prayer, to uh, be that support there, to, uh, to help us through as we reach. Because 
that is being, that is a crucial part of our ministry. If I did not have people that would daily pray for me, that supported us, we would not be able to be as effective as we are in doing what we do. Uh, I can say that is one, and then a second point would be wherever we are is a, is a ministry field. Wherever we are is where God has called us. We are missionaries. The word missionary doesn't mean that we go to a different country to serve. God has called us to be ambassadors where we are. Where we are, we need to reach to the people and with our own lives because we can, uh, we can say many things, but it is in the way we live, it is what we do that affects the people where we are. And so the work done in the marketplace, the marketplace one is a huge ministry huge ministry to win souls and a huge ministry to win supporters for the people that are serving overseas. And then to you guys, without you guys there holding us up in prayer, without you guys there holding the ropes, we would not be able to do what we do. Okay. And, you know, I know that a lot of the people who are connected to the show are already, they already care about missions. So they're already giving to support missionaries. They're already praying for missionaries. But some of them are looking for ways to increase that, whether it's increasing giving or increasing their prayer life. Some of them are also looking for other things that they can do to further support or encourage a missionary. What, what's one thing that somebody could do to do that, to further encourage or support a missionary? Um, I would say the most important thing, speaking personally as a missionary, is the personal contact. Personal contact. We, uh, we face a lot of things over here where we are, and it's and not just physically, but also in a spiritual sense as well. Because we're, in, we're in the enemy's territory, seeking out lost souls to bring them the light of the Lord, and we often need encouragement. And it's just amazing at times. I can testify time and again where just a simple phone call, just a simple letter, it doesn't have to be much, but when that, that comes through, it, that is just amazing. Uh, it's amazing, and uh, I share just from my personal experience, even uh, even just a few letters from a note that's sent out, you know, hi, I, great to hear from you, praying for you, that can be so important, that can be so important to us. Um, that would be one, just the encouragement, the personal contact, and then... Um, always pass the word on, always pass the word on. I've learned to, uh, in the few few years that uh, that I've been doing this, the Lord has, uh, by His grace, taught me to pass the word on. It doesn't matter to whom, even the people that we, the people that we think won't care, the people that we think won't give, the people that we think won't pray, sometimes they're the ones that, uh, they're the ones that most help, they're the ones that mostly get involved. Um, God said in his word that we should not despise small beginnings or small people just uh, be ambassadors be ambassadors for the work we do because you never know you never know what God can use for the wow that's that's great thank you for sharing that Mark for those listening 
you know, I don't normally try and jump in and say, Hey, I, I think you should do something. But because of what Mark shared, I've just, I've got this sense that maybe it's time for some people to reach out and send that email or to set up some time for that phone call or that Skype call or something like that. We, we have the technology that in a lot of places in the world, you can connect with a missionary almost for free. You might have to get up really early in the morning, but knowing that that could be the lifeline. I just, I'd like to encourage you to go ahead and do that if you haven't done it before. Um, Mark, I would like to go ahead and transition to the speed round. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back with some amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan? I don't know how amazing they'll be, but let's go. (laughs) They'll be your answers. They'll be good enough. What's one thing you wish you would have known before you started out? Um, I guess I would say, um, First of all, before I go into that, I'll just say um, yeah. I, I don't regret starting early on as a, uh, as a young person. Like I said, at 19, I entered the mission field. And since then, by God's grace, I've been serving in one capacity or another, trying to fulfill His will, what He's called me to. Um, I would say one thing would be, uh, like I said, I don't regret starting early on, but it is mm-hmm. extremely hard, just talking personally, it's extremely hard to uh, study and to better prepare, um, during these years I've been here, I've been able to, uh, study and get an associate's degree in biblical theology, but, uh, I have a desire to, uh, go on in that track and also to study psychology, but in the ministry, that is, uh, it is very, it's a very hard thing to do, especially here overseas. So I would say if there's one thing I would have liked to know or do before I started, it would be, uh, study, study and better prepare. But uh, I would say that God is faithful. He's faithful in all he does. And uh, by his grace, I'll be able to, uh, to continue with my study. Yeah. What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received. Um, I would say the best advice I've ever received, it would be from an old, old preacher. Uh, an old preacher said that just because it is a good thing or a biblical thing doesn't mean that it's God's will. And that has led me through through many different uh, trials, many different things in my life, you know, because we have so many voices around us and there's so many good things to do, so many church activities, so many thing, biblical things to do. Um, but just because it is a good thing, it doesn't mean it's God's will. God has one specific thing, specific place, and a specific time where He wants each one of us. And uh, I guess uh, just building on that would be: don't settle for anything good when you can do better for the God's will. Just uh, that has that's what's led me time and time again. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter if it's a good thing to be doing. But to just seek God's will, find what it is, because only then, only then is where, uh, only then is where, is where He will receive all the honor. Just yeah. like His words, just like His word says in, uh, in in Psalms, which has been a uh, a key verse for me, is that uh, says, "Thou will show me the path of life; in Thy presence is fullness of joy." God will show us His will. Yeah. Do you have a personal habit, maybe something that you do that you feel has contributed to what God's done in your life? 
Um, <laughs> sometimes I can be bad about personal habits. Okay. Um, Speaking but I would say if there's one thing, and it may just be, it may be more a character trait than personal habit, mm-hmm. but I believe it's something that needs, even if it's not a character trait, it needs to be a personal habit, which is listening to others. It's very important to this. It's very important to spend time with others. Um, quite often, we, especially uh, with an American mentality, where time is money, we don't often spend time to listen. We don't often spend time to sit down, attend to people's problems, attend to what people are saying. And as a counselor, that is one of the biggest things I've seen that causes problems is that. Uh, bad listening, bad communication, which is based upon this. So I would say that has been a personal help to me. And just to uh, just to love everybody, to love everybody, accept them like Jesus accepts them. And, uh, and he, he will do the change. He will do the change. He calls us to uh, receive everybody how they are, listen to them, listen to their problems, because... Uh, I, I would say maybe the hard way. You can't just tell people what to do, tell people the solution if you don't listen to the problems. All right. Do you have an Internet resource, maybe something that you use regularly that you could share with our listeners? Um, yes. One thing that has been a tremendous help to me is uh, it may be familiar with uh, with the people, but it's uh, eSword. It's called the electronic sword, and it is a um, it is a free it is a free um, tool where which has um, which you, you can download the actual base and then you can download um, add-ons as far and it has it is just it is a wealth of resources. It has hundreds of Bibles, hundreds of commentaries, hundreds of of um, dictionaries, hundreds of, and it even has its own editor where you can edit where you. Can your own notes where you can uh, create your own messages, create your own studies. And it's just, it's a wealth of books all packed into one thing. It's, 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 it's a definite must. Excellent. And for those listening, again, all of this will be linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Mark Blosser. So if you're working out right now or perhaps driving to work or something, uh, don't worry about writing it, up, writing it down. Just stop by the show notes and you can check all of that out. Now, Mark, we've got just a few minutes left. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask just a couple more questions before we go. Is that okay? Yeah. Yep. That's fine. Okay. Um, I'd, I'd like to make a little bit of a transition and kind of go back and focus a little bit more on some of your perspective on ministry. And in sp- specifically, as we think about, again, our, our listeners, the people who are living here in the U.S., uh, it's really possible now to look up and realize that you're now surrounded by people that came from other cultures, that your neighbors and your coworkers might have come from a place that just a few years ago we thought was missionary territory, just the place where you send missionaries. If someone looked up and they realized that was going on, what would you share with them about your perspective on this? My perspective, um, I would say it goes a limit along with what I shared before. The, uh, it's important to first get to know the people before you pass judgment, before you start them. 
just outright preaching to them because then it becomes that we're preaching at them. Um, it's important to, I believe, learn the culture, to become a friend, to listen. Um, we see what Jesus, Jesus is our example in everything. And uh, he lived here 30 years before he went out for ministry. And even then, he was with the people. He didn't, uh, he didn't live in live in, uh, live in his own community or his own house and just go out to preach. He lived with the people. He suffered with them. He saw on a day-to-day basis what they went through, what they felt with. And thus, had a greater platform with which to reach them greater um, power, a greater um, authority to give to them the answer, the solution. And so I would say, um, we all know wherever we are, we can just share the word. And it's important to share the word with our mouth, to speak. But there are times when our life also speaks. We need to get to know the people, to know what they're facing with individually. Because as much as we think we know, know a culture, think we know people, um, everybody's different. And although there are there are um, there are different things that a culture does to a person, everybody is an individual. Everybody has a problem, and Jesus is the answer to those problems. And we can share that. We are yes, God has put us here to share that, but. I feel very strongly that we need to know that we need to get on a personal basis, a personal relationship with them in order to share the solution to them. Yeah, you know, as you were sharing that, uh, I just I was reminded that God came to the to save the world. That Jesus came to save the world. John three sixteen for God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. But yet when I look at Christ in the scripture, I, I see him calling individual people by name. He says, you know, come, you come follow me, you come follow me. So I think that speaks directly to exactly what you're talking about, that we tend to try to look at people and classify them and understand them as part of a group. And yet they're individuals and God loves them. God wants them as individuals. Now, Mark, we're almost done. What I'd like to get, if we could, is maybe just one last piece of advice. And then if there's a good way for people to connect with you, I'd like to share that. And then we'll say goodbye. Okay. So soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, one last piece of advice, I think, would be a, uh, be a scripture, which has often led me in the years of my ministry here, in which um, my wife and I even have taken as our as, uh, as our own, we made it our own. It was our uh, the theme in our wedding, and it is still the theme up to this day in our lives. And that is uh, a scripture in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 3, which says, He makes all things beautiful in this time. Um, just what I've learned is that many things we don't understand, many things at times we, uh, it seems that. God is answering our prayers just the opposite, maybe, of what we're praying. But um, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Um, and it's just amazing because what he does is God's will is a lot greater, a lot bigger often than what my will is, than what I think I want. And um, we just wait upon the Lord, wait patiently upon him. He will give us 
the desires of our heart and much, much more. Much, much more. Hmm. And the reason why is in that same verse because it says, He makes all things beautiful in His time and has set the world among men that they that they, they can... Uh, I, I'm paraphrasing it because I know it better now in Spanish than I do in English. <laughs> but, um, but that way they can see and glorify the Father, which is the reason for my life, the reason for all our lives, is to live for God's glory and God's love. Okay. And is there a way for people to connect with you, maybe a website or a Facebook page or an email address, something that if somebody wanted to get to know you, they could? Yes, yes. Um, uh, well, I... I have my uh, personal email, which is helpingothers89 at gmail.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook there as well. And then we have a Facebook page, which is up and running. We are still working on uh, working on other means of better communicating with uh, the people that want to know. But for now, we have the, uh, the Facebook page, which is Mark and Cynthia in Ecuador. Uh, there we have uh, our monthly updates, uh, pictures, uh, videos of what we do. And uh, anybody wants to uh, get in contact to learn more about what we're doing, uh, you're welcome to do that. Uh, look forward to hearing. Okay. And again, for those listening, we'll, we'll make sure that these are all linked up for you in the show notes. Mark, thank you so much. I really appreciated getting to connect with you today. And I really appreciate everything that you shared. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you, Ray. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. Audio editing for this program was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studios. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.